All right, what's going on, guys? We're back with another episode. Uh, the crypto market is actually looking pretty damn healthy today. We got nice uh, green candle on the daily. Uh, Bitcoin is currently at 20,000. And the good news is BlockFi is not going bankrupt. So, right, by the time you guys are watching this, we'll probably know how BlockFi is going to be moving forward. But what we do know now is FTX has extended a $400 million line of credit to BlockFi. What they also have the option with that line of credit to do is they actually have the ability to acquire BlockFi for $240 million. Now, this is a pretty interesting to me because BlockFi were just uh, valued at $4.8 billion not too long ago, right? Now, with this current offer or strategy with the FT with the FTX bailout, they're pretty much valued at like I don't know one percent of that, right? So, is this showing or telling us that the bubble has popped, or what do you think, Pariso? Tom, what pisses me off about this story is Zach Prince coming out. You know, he's obviously he doesn't want to hear that his company is being evaluated at 1% of what it was a month ago, two months ago. And what he's saying now is that he's not touching the line of credit that FTX has injected into BlockFi. And not only that, but they've increased interest rates. Like, is this guy on another fucking planet? Like, how does that how does that solve the liquidity issue? That makes it worse that they're raising interest rates. They're going to run into more problems later on. They're trying to save face. And I think it's very fake. Yeah, I think so, too, because I did see them also tweet like as if it's like they came and they saved the day. Right. Yeah. So you've seen they were like not only did they raise credit, but they were like, hey, we only lost 80 million. Like 80 million is like. <laughs> A lot of people's money so when i see that, it's like it raises flags to myself and to people it's like okay so are these guys really insolvent are they just really bad at managing their finance sheet or what's really going on in the market because it definitely feels like there's a lot of plagiarism going on in the market right now and we just can't figure out who's doing what like who's actually having the money who doesn't have the money why is FTX have all this money, supposedly, and what the hell is going on? Yeah, no, that's a good point. I do wonder how FTX, you know, everyone in this market right now is saying what's doing well are the decentralized companies, right? And FTX is not one of those. And they're coming in and saving the day as a centralized player in this economy. What you forgot to mention is not only did BlockFi lose 80 million, they also were fined 100 million by the SEC. Um, I think they're not properly registered in the US anymore. They can't even operate in the US. I think BlockFi in a couple months is going to be out of the game. No, not with what just happened from FTX. I mean, well, it's not going to be BlockFi anymore. It's going to be FTX. FTX will be running the show, right? So it's not going to be yeah. the BlockFi that we know. It's going to be restructured and changed. I mean, I, let's talk about FTX, okay? In the last 30 days, FTX has injected $250 million into BlockFi. It bought a 7.6% stake in Robinhood. It loaned $500 million to Voyager Digital. They acquired crypto trading platform Bitvo, and they acquired Embed Financial Technologies. This is not... This is not decentralized. This is not what crypto is about. I mean, they're saving the day, but I think there's a reason these players are losing. They're not healthy for the crypto market. They're not healthy for decentralized finance. They need to be taken out. Yeah, it's definitely starting to look like FTX is going to be a big monopoly in the space for sure. And you can already see that with the moves that they're making. If it's one thing for me that I know now, it's two platforms and there's only two main players in the game right now. And that's FTX and Binance. And there's everything else in the middle that's either going to get acquired or die by the next bull run. Let's talk about a new player coming into the game, Radio Shack. I don't know if you guys saw their crazy <laughs> tweets. One of them, what was one of them? She's a squirter, she's a keeper. Yeah, okay. So Radio Shack, obviously, 
I'm sure all of you guys know what that is. But what you guys probably don't know is their new ownership, right? So Ty Lopez, this internet sensation, entrepreneur, uh, pretty much personality that acquired Radio Shack and a few other brands with his partner, Alex Mir. So Ty obviously comes from a marketing slash entrepreneur background, right? They acquired Radio Shack as an asset slash brand, and I believe they killed all of their actual retail stores, if not like 99% of them, right? Because they wanted to take it fully e-commerce. Now, as they were doing that, the crypto market boomed, right? And they're like, hey, you know what? Why sell electronics and toys if we see there's opportunity to come into the market with some type of product? Now, from previous research and experience, Ty Lopez is usually a top signal for the market, right? And you see that <laughs> on Twitter when he launched his own NFT project, right? It was kind of like the end of the NFT bull run. It did not do as well as people thought. I think he did make a little bit of good money, but it just didn't do great. Now, Radio Shack is pretty much just another Uniswap. So if you guys don't know Uniswap, it's pretty much a decentralized exchange that allows you to exchange layer ones, layer twos from ETH into other coins. And Radio Shack just did the same exact thing, but what they're doing to get attention is very, very interesting, right? We talked about this in our newsletter and their marketing strategy has been more about virality and shit posting than I guess content or actual news and updates as a real company. So where I want to take this is Twitter has become a place for memes, shit posting and trolling. And I feel like the web three strategy is Twitter, right? So in order for you to grow in the crypto space and NFT, you have to pretty much be a very good personality on Twitter. And to do that, you have to be somebody who's good at trolling. I just don't think this is the right strategy. If you want to establish a decentralized exchange that millions of people trust and put their crypto into, I'm not going to put my crypto into a company that's posting about bitch slapping someone or squirting stuff like that. That's not how you, this is not the right place for shit posting that if you want to be a decentralized exchange, you need to cultivate trust. You need to culture. People need to have confidence that you know what you're doing and that you respect their money and you'll protect their money. That's not the message I'm receiving looking at this marketing strategy. It might work because there's a younger crowd in crypto and it's going to captivate them to engage more. But in the long run, I don't see this being a good move. Yeah, I agree. I think it definitely hurt them more than it benefited them because it just showed the brand representation is just not there. Like as a professional brand, you can't come out the gate firing like that. Like, sure, like if you already have a great working product and you're doing great things, obviously, then, yeah, you can do it. But to come out the gate <laughs> and talk about those topics, it just doesn't make no sense. Yeah, it makes no sense. And also Ty's NFT project, I, that was pretty much a rug pull. Like, I have no confidence in Ty in this space at all. Like, you're paying $10,000 to play a game of basketball with him. Where's the mentorship? Where's the value? Where's the utility? I don't think he's a sound player in this space. Yeah, at least not in crypto space. But cool, just on time here, we'll have uh, Faze throwing his uh, opinion as well on Ty Lopez and his Radio Shack swap. Uh, yeah. Faze, obviously a good friend of mine and uh, another guest, so... We'll be diving into Faze's experience in Web3 and how he came from e-commerce into crypto, similar to what I did, and things he's doing on in the space right now. Faze, first question, bro. What do you think of what's going on with Radio Shack and Ty? Uh, I think it's interesting. I think the marketing that Radio Shack is doing, obviously, I've seen a lot of the tweets go viral. I think it's very out of pocket, but it seems like out of pocket marketing works. And we both, we both, like we all know that. Um, I don't know how well it's doing for selling products, but that whole acquisition of, I think it was Pier 1 Imports to Radio Shack, um, and maybe another one too, but I, I don't know. I don't see these brands really making a crazy comeback in terms of selling the products. 
Um, I don't, I don't really have really any opinion on Ty Lopez, honestly. Like, I think you have a little bit of experience with him, right, Mo? Yeah, yeah, I do. I already talked about it, but I mean, the guy is good at making headlines, right? The guy is good at making headlines, good at bringing in traffic. Now, how that traffic converts, I don't know. I think my key takeaway about you know what they're doing here and how it's reflecting in the market is like I was telling Parisa earlier. It's like Twitter is the hub for crypto, right? But at the same time. Twitter is also a hub for shit posting, being humor, right? And just viral things. So I think the way the crypto slash NFT and like Web3 space is being built through Twitter is actually not helping the space move forward because there's too much trolling going on compared to actual value. And that's why I think we're being very limited in the space on how we're growing. Like when you see somebody like Ty, right? With a company of that size, like Radio Shack, obviously is a huge brand, regardless of what numbers they're doing now. Take this route of shit posting. It goes to show that like Twitter's a troll, crypto's a troll, and this is what you have to do to make headlines in the crypto world. And that's what I don't like about the situation, obviously how the, the, the market's expanding. Yeah, I feel like it goes in waves. There's certain times where at one point there was a lot of value being dropped and you know that's what it was but then i think after at least specifically in the nft market after the free mints happened after the solana boom happened i feel like that's when the shit posting and people people starting to take the market less seriously um kind of became more evident and it's also because so many people are losing so much money it's like kind of like a coping mechanism to just shit post on twitter and just like post whatever you want pretty much i mean you you're 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 a shit poster too so. <laughs> let's not let's not deny that that's for sure hey you gotta you gotta move with the trend not against it that's for sure exactly exactly if it works then why not all right well enough about radio shack i'm excited to have you on the show for people who don't know you who don't know the donut shop can you just talk a little bit about the basics of what this project is if you could do it in two sentences that would be great oh wow two sentences um well i guess okay the goal of the project was to basically combine food and nfts into one and that's basically what what it was that's what the initial goal was with the whole brand and bringing this project to life it's because at the time nobody had done a food related project now there are a lot of a lot of food related projects coming out people who are kind of notorious in the fast food industry like there's uh bored and hungry um you know we saw so many different food trucks and, and stalls at nft new york so it's becoming very evident that you know it's the right direction in my opinion i want to bring i wanted to just bring something physical um because nfts are just digital and there's no real tangible aspect to it unless you get like a figurine made or something like that. There's no real um, value that you can feel or you can eat or whatever. So that's kind of what the goal was uh, creating the project. So I went on a little bit longer than two sentences, but if it were to be two sentences, it's just maybe even two words, food and NFTs. That's it. Okay. So basically bridging the gap between virtual and real. So I'm wondering what is your background like what got you into this virtual space and what are you like what's motivating you to try to change it so uh my background is in e-commerce like web i guess web 2 is what it is a lot of i think a lot of web 3 founders come from web 2 so my experience is from drop shipping and creating these sort of micro brands so there's always been a level of marketing and creativity but it was always selling a physical good that would be delivered to a consumer um physically it's the same sort of marketing and same sort of creative skills but you combine that with um like the digital aspect and i i was kind of leaning away from like e-commerce and drop shipping i haven't really even done any of that in two years probably um i have a brand right now called sweet dreams it's a cbd company so that's something that i'm going to keep going um but I just wanted to do NFTs just because it was it was hot and like that's the mentality that a lot of dropshippers have. It's you want to hop onto the trend and see if there's a way to capitalize on it. And I wanted to do something creative out of the box um, and obviously generate capital. Also, that could be a cool thing to do. 
um, and you know, make some sort of a change, right? Like I was talking about maybe bridging the gap between the real life aspect and the digital aspect. And I hadn't seen any projects doing it at the time. So I figured it could have been a good idea to do that. And, you know, people ask me why donuts, like why, why, why not any other food? It just, donuts just had like a certain appeal to me because I, I honestly wasn't really consuming many donuts. I don't, I wasn't really the biggest donut fan at the time, but Growing up, actually, I used to eat a lot of donuts and a lot of Baskin Robbins ice cream because my uncle owned a whole chain of like Dunkin' Donuts franchises. And at one point, my dad was also partnered with him. So growing up, I got access to a lot of free donuts and free ice cream. So I was a pretty chubby child, um, but I kind of had to lay, <laughs> I had to lay off of that. But I guess it's kind of like a little bit nostalgic for me, I guess. Um, and I think a lot of people not really related to the story of the project, but they just loved the fact that it brought back some like a piece of their childhood almost. And it was just such like a sweet project ideas. I want to back back to something you said, right? In terms of like as a dropshipper mentality, like your jobs to find trends. It's actually not only dropshippers. I think as entrepreneurs, right? Anybody who's in the online business or in the business of building companies, your pulse is always on the market. And if it's not, you're doing a bad job being a builder versus a consumer. So when you see an opportunity like Web3 and you see the money or just the, well, the money, right? The money, the institutional money, the consumer money, the retail money that's flowing into a specific niche. As a builder, your first instinct is like, how can I get involved, right? Because regardless you like it or not, people are driven by money right? That's just the reality of the world we live in, whether you're an investor, whether you're a builder, so on and so forth. Maybe it's not the first goal. Maybe you're not focused on money first, right? You want to build first. At the end of the day, that's the end goal, right? Is to get more money, to give you more freedom financially, time, so on and so forth. So I think it's really important to touch on that point because we see now like huge institutions like Facebook, Okay, meta, why money? Why? Because there's more opportunity for them to take over the market cap at an early stage compared to what they've given up to Apple, Google, so on and so forth over the last few years. And there's a lot of, there was also, a, a, for me at least, there wasn't, there was a lot of FOMO because I was seeing, you know, people that I not grew up with, but came up with doing NFT projects and making some sort of a wave and you know, just, just having an impact on a brand new community. And I wanted to do the same thing because I'm a creative person at heart. That's where my, um, my, I guess like original foundation is, is in like video editing and just like creative stuff. Always like in the e-commerce community, I've always been known for making some sort of a creative, um, twist to everything that I do from the YouTube videos that I make to, you know, the, the e-com brands or whatever it may be. So I wanted to do the same exact thing and maybe have the shot of building like the next big project. And that's what everyone has the mentality of doing. But I just couldn't see myself sitting there and being a bystander when I'm seeing so many people make attempts to, one, launch a successful marketing campaign and two, um, kind of gather a market based around an idea that you have to maybe you know, be the next blue chip or make some sort of a real life impact. So I didn't want to miss that opportunity because really, I think that time uh, of, I think maybe, I think it was like Art Basel uh, in Miami to, I'd say like February or March, that little four or five month sprint was really where so many like these Web3 brands came out of nowhere. And a lot of them, unfortunately, are not going to, you know, they're not built to last. A lot of them were like quick, quick cash grabs with, you know, just derivative art or just doing like some sort of a pump and dump project. Nothing really with substance to build for the long term. So that's just the way that it is. I had the mentality of building for long term. And I guess we'll go into that a little bit later. But, yeah, that's kind of where my head was at when doing the project yeah i actually wanted to dive deeper into your process so i'm looking at sweet dreams website right now design is incredible like it's very sleek great color palette i could say the same thing for the donut shop incredible attention to detail really good design there's something not tangible about it that makes it cool you can't really put your finger on it but it gives you a feeling and i'm wondering as a creator 
where do you start in your process in making a product? Is it the idea of something? Is it a feeling? Is it the community? Where do you start? I think for Donut Shop, at least, it came as the character first. Out of Before anything else, the character was the first thing that we developed. Um, and then the branding was kind of after that. But it was kind of like simultaneously. We went through, I think, four or five different variations of the logo. So I had a very talented um, designer on the team who basically did all of the branding and his team kind of led the creative direction for the actual donuts themselves too. But basically you, you put together a mood board of other similar brands that you really like. And then from that, you just, you know, you're given options. I like options whenever I, whenever I'm doing anything creatively I get like four or five different things to choose from. And then once we like the direction of like, let's say one logo, then we just build from that. So that process takes like maybe a week, two weeks to get done. You can't really rush creativity at all. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm not actually sitting here on Photoshop, making the logo, sourcing the typeface, nothing like that. Um, I'm lucky enough to have like a Rolodex of really creative friends that are able to, kind of make my vision into a reality. And the the goal that we had with the donut shop at least was to make something nostalgic and something that's just bold and can have like a legacy, I guess, um, with the logo. Because you look at Krispy Kreme, Dunkin' Donuts, and you see like, it's just such a recognizable, iconic logo. So we wanted to do something similar. Even with Sweet Dreams, it's it's just it's just like that too. It's something that makes you feel a certain type of way. So emotions aren't really you know my main focus when doing anything creatively. I mean, if I like it, then I think other people are going to like it too because that's the mindset that I have um, going into any sort of creative things. So you guys are both NFT project founders, and you guys have both dropped your projects relatively recently in the last few months or so. And we've seen a huge change in the market in a very short amount of time. As a founder, how are you dealing with that change in the market? How are you adapting? Um, myself, at least, honestly, we <laughs> the floor price wasn't really a thing that you know we cared about much. Um, to begin with, because, you know, people come into projects looking for a quick flip anyways. And once, you know, the people that come in for that, they don't get it, they exit and then they dump the project very low. So that's been happening. It's just something that's dealt with within the community itself. But personally, we're still working on the development of the roadmap and making the, you know, real life aspect come to life. Um, so that's just kind of been, that's just, that's just been the grind. I don't really care too much about the current market sentiment because we're not launching any new digital uh, product, I guess. It's just going to be real life. Um, but, you know, as far as like community sentiment goes and stuff like that, you know, we've been doing like giveaways and merch drops and just, you know, keeping people's hopes as high as possible. Um, but, you know, it's just, it's kind of hard because people are losing money on the actual currencies that they hold. And when they see a sharp drop in the price of their, you know, their, their digital asset, like their NFT, um, it can definitely impact your mentality a little bit. But if you are, you know, a holder and a true believer in the project, then I don't think people really care, um, too much. What do you think, Mo? I think for anybody that's trying to build in the nft space specifically right if you think because i see a lot of videos saying like hey here's three easy ways to make an nft collection and make a lot of money like you know all this clickbait stuff is they it doesn't paint the right picture right because i think before everything you have to understand that it's not just a homework project like it's not just like you paint the picture you put it on and you make money boom like it's not that easy right building an nft space is probably one of the hardest things to do right now because there is no clear roadmap on how to do it. And it has to be a mixture of luck, timing, and great marketing. But after the marketing happens, it's gonna require great building. And sure, you may have a good amount of money made up front, but in order to compete and keep up in this space that's so fast moving, you need a lot more money and you need a lot more experience and talent in building real actual life businesses that you can bring from Web3, which is just an NFT project, into an actual physical world. So my experience, obviously, it has not been easy. It's been very difficult, but at the same time, it's fascinating to see because you get to learn a lot from 
other projects who are making a lot of money first and then building after. And you kind of get to see the waves of like, hey, Doodles makes a lot of money. They go quiet for a few months. Okay, boom, it's time to make a lot of money again, right? And it's like that with every other project that you see that is really good. Like look at board eight, boom, mint, quiet, quiet. Okay, boom, time to make more money. Quiet, quiet. Okay, other side mint. They made $250 million. Quiet, quiet, eight fest. Quiet, quiet. You know, you have this other thing. So it just kind of goes to show that it obviously takes a lot of time to bring in quality experiences, but you're also like, you also have to get lucky with the people that hold your projects from day one and the way you market it, because that'll either hurt your project or make it. And it's just very, it's like a, what's the word? It's a thin road, right? It's a thin string. Uh, what's the word? It's like a thin, what's the saying? Yeah, there, it's a thin line to walk on, obviously, on how to build properly and be successful from launch. Yeah, because if you make one wrong move or you say one wrong thing, then the foundation just cracks and people go crazy because that's the way that's the way that you know people are. A lot of NFT holders are. They're very sensitive. And as soon as there's one bad thing that's said, it's just like a rapid fire. So a lot of... A lot of the job of like a founder and the community team is to just do damage control and, you know, be a CEO. It's no different than running like a company because it's, it's the same thing. It's the same underlying foundation, except you are dealing with a crowd of people that hold your project and believe in it. So obviously every move that you make should be in the best interest of your project. Yeah, it's like imagine running a public company on the NASDAQ while having a group chat with every single per person who owns a share. <laughs> you literally lose your brain. Like you'll lose. Yeah. Right? It's <laughs> it's not normal Precisely. for sure. No, it's it's high stress for sure. Too. Yeah, yeah. But again, it's it, it's a cool experience to have. It, it's great to know that you know you're able to be in a position to build something like this. And it's just motivating to see that, hey, if I did this now, imagine what I can do, you know, years from now when there's actually a better foundation in the industry as a whole. Yeah, I think, Mo, you brought up some interesting um, topics. So Bored Ape and Doodles. Bored Ape is a project that gives people, let's be honest, social status. It's a social status thing to have an ape. Doodles is a, more of a PFP project as well. There's no, I haven't seen any real utility besides an event or a little collectible. I don't really think there's much utility. Hold on. I think the difference with the donut shop is that it's bringing an actual day-to-day -day utility. Like people eat donuts. That's a fact. How can we, yeah, a lot. Yeah. How can we like make this exciting? How can we incorporate Web3 into something that already exists? And I think with this bear market, it's going to start washing out this future success of other PFP projects, other social status projects, and it's going to shift more into the utility aspect. And I want to know what your thoughts are. I know, Mo, you just look like I'm crazy, so please respond. <laughs> yeah, I think, it, okay, first of all, I dislike the word utility. <laughs> like, I just hate it. Because it's like, are you asking for utility in terms of like, like what's the definition of utility? Hold on, let me Google this. Cause yeah, yeah. I wanna read the Google definition for our audience. From there, I wanna give my opinion on it. So let me just Google this real quick. Utility definition. <laughs> okay, here we go. Okay, so the Google definition for utility is the state of being useful, profitable, or beneficial. Okay. okay. So when you hear that, right, if you buy something, you buy it because you like it, first of all, right? Nobody tells you to buy it. Maybe some people do tell you to buy it, but you're buying it because you think you like it or you like it. Now that you like it, what can you do with it, right? So if the NFT's purpose is to simply put you in a group of people with similar interests, then that's actually a utility already, right? Because we already do this. Like when you go on Facebook or you go on Instagram, you follow specific people to consume content that you like, right? Therefore, you're looking for a crowd that you can engage with, 
right? With topics that you like. Why? Because you want to make friends. So that's already a utility right there, right? But I think like when you say doodles doesn't have utility, obviously that's going to fucking raise a lot of eyebrows and, and, and give you the, the faces that I've given because there's just like so many different utility, but people are looking for the hottest utility at the time which doesn't make sense. Like if the hottest utility right now is for you to stake and earn, then obviously you don't have that, right? But that's what people are looking for. If the hottest utility right now is ApeFest in a concert with, you know, <laughs> A1 celebrities, then obviously I can't provide that. But to say that projects don't have utility, I think is a very bad way to describe projects that haven't pumped or met standards that people are looking for. And Doodle's pipeline is pretty heavy too. There's a lot of a lot of interesting things that they're doing. Like they've dropped, you know, they've done the airdrops. Um, you know, we went to the Doodles event. Like they have the duplicator yeah. and Doodles too, in so many different ways for people to, you know, utilize their Doodle to make more money. And I think they really only made this change when they brought on their new CEO um, to kind of actually bring something of value besides like the community events and. Obviously, a little bit of status having the doodle too. Um, I think just 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 community alone for doodles at least was. I think it's a community. Their thing is just being community driven, right? Like that's their whole um, their whole narrative. So they they lock that down. They do amazing events, um, but in terms of like tangible or I, I don't know. I don't even know. I don't even know what I'm trying to say. But I think I think they're. Yeah, I think it's just, it's just. Do I own one? No. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's useful. And yeah, like there's tangible utility and then there's utility that's just there that you don't really appreciate. It's like counting your blessings, right? Like imagine you only had one eye. Yeah. But you expect to have two eyes. Why? Because most people do. It's probably a bad analogy, but that's just the truth of, you know, how it is. And I'm wearing a doodle shirt. So <laughs> that's right. <laughs> like, when I wear a doodle shirt, people call me out and like, yo, that's a doodle shirt. That's utility. Why? It gives me some type of feeling that I belong. It's like the sense of belonging to the community. Yeah. Doodles are yeah. I, I, I After going to like the event and experiencing it and, and seeing the cult that they have, I'm like pretty, pretty brainwashed. And I, I think that they, they're doing an incredible job with actually building. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I agree. Let me tell you the reason why I'm being devil's advocate right now. Um, I think NFTs... <laughs> Digital assets, NFTs, the technology behind them, blockchain technology, is fucking revolutionary. It's the biggest thing to happen since the internet. If when the internet was invented, you told someone that they're going to use this to post pictures of their food in 20 years on your story, no one would believe you. That's kind of what I'm experiencing with blockchain technology and NFTs. I think the technology is so powerful and there's so much potential and we're using it not in the best way. Yeah. Yeah. Right now, at least it's just, it's just to get the foot in the door to get to acquire, you know, the, the, the initial users, I guess, but I don't know. I think real utility is going to lie in everyday use cases um, you know, for, I don't know, leases, for credit cards, for IDs, for just like actual shit that you got to use every single day. Like even for me doing like the donuts is it's just a simple way of allowing people to use it in real life. So owning a donut will allow you to come in to our truck and get free donuts whenever you want, pretty much. That's a utility behind it. It's nothing revolutionary. It's nothing crazy, but it still serves as a sort of pass that allows you to come in and take advantage of you know the business and you know people are doing it with holders only events um gary v is doing the fly fish club which is you know a holders only restaurant that you can kind of rent out your card or lease it out to allow other people to go so that's double utility right there and real life aspect too so you know i think i think we're still a long ways to go from it i i think that you know, even if a brand, let's say a Web2 brand, just like a direct-to-consumer brand wants to get into NFTs, right? And they make some sort of an NFT. It doesn't even need to be an NFT. That's the thing. You can make a membership rewards program without needing an NFT, but people just want to use an NFT or use blockchain just because it sounds cool. That's the, that's the way that I think it is right now. But I think that the real use case will show maybe in like five to 10 years, maybe even longer than that. Because most people... 
I don't even know what the statistic is, how many um, NFT uh, wallets there even are, how many people even own an NFT. It's like so, it's so microscopic on the, on the larger scale, even crypto in general too. It's like how many people actually even have a crypto wallet? It's not much. You're totally right. Let's shift. Let's shift the energy though. Let's go back into some positive shit. So hold on, hold on. I have a, I have a an idea that I think is well, not an idea, but I, here's what I think the next run in NFTs, what it's going to look like. I personally think any e-commerce slash Web two brand that is already established right now is going to be rolling out NFTs by the next time crypto gets mass adoption on the media. And a big player that's going to help that adoption is going to be Shopify because the way Shopify is positioning it is you're going to be able as a brand to allow your customers to own NFTs that give them access to specific products, discounts, and areas of your business. And I think that utility slash that style of NFTs is going to come out before anything else actually moves forward in terms of real utility. And then I think the next big wave is going to happen through Facebook and Instagram, right? Because Facebook and Instagram allowing you to preview NFTs on their platform doesn't really do anything, right? What I think is going to happen, this could be a far-fetched idea. Again, this is just an idea in my head, is that Instagram, Facebook, social media in general is going to allow creators with specific amounts of followers to give NFTs to their top engagers. Okay. Those top engagers get access slash some type of monetary value, I think, of the creator's economy. So think about it this way, right? Imagine you have a YouTube channel, right? And you have 1000 people who like every video, watch the majority of your videos and keep up with your content. Instead of YouTube giving you the majority of your, let's say ad revenue, you would have the option to split it with your top engaged audience. And what that's going to do is it's going to allow people to stay on the platform longer while keeping up with your uh, content and earning obviously some type of monetary value and access to be a part of your community. My, that's my take right there. I think there's a lot of um, securities laws that would get into that, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe it could work. Maybe not. We're playing some crystal ball shit and I just got like a really fucking good idea. Facebook does not change consumer culture. It's not that powerful. What company is that powerful? Apple. Apple has the power to change consumer behavior. I think like how many times do you walk by an Apple store when it's something new drops and there's a line wrapped around the whole store? That's a use case for uh, an Apple NFT. And you can resell it, make money off of it. Apple makes a royalty. It's a win-win situation. And that's a real utility case, like buying an Apple exclusive NFT so that you can get the next drop. Potentially. That's going to change consumer behaviors. I don't know. Apple, Apple has lacked innovation in my opinion in the last like decade i'd say ever since steve jobs passed away i think that the the innovation with the brand has kind of went downhill so i don't know if they're going to even adapt the tech i think they're going to definitely make it a lot more usable for people because they even have um what is it the the i think it's called memoji is what it is where you just create yourself as a character like in a way they're already kind of doing an nft i'd say not really but like in terms of personal personability and personalization they kind of already have that aspect to it so if you talk about you know metaverse and stuff like that i think that's what's going to be apple's play especially when they release like their headset like their ar glasses or whatever they're going to be doing i think that's whenever the real um adaptation for that sort of stuff is going to happen but i don't i don't see apple doing an nft i think it's just too big of a conglomerate to do that even like facebook or google for that matter i don't think brands at that scale are going to get into nfts but they are the type to monetize off of it by having a marketplace or having some sort of a use case 
within their ecosystem. It could happen potentially, but I don't know. Yeah, that's true. Who knows? All we know is there's a lot of opportunity and we're very, very early. <laughs> yes. We're early. We yeah. really are early. I mean, the space is like yep. a year old. So, I mean, it's much longer than a year old, but it just became popular in the last year. Speaking of early, I think the donut shop did something that other projects haven't been doing that you're early on. And I think you're touching on something that's going to change the culture in NFTs. You guys did a polygon airdrop. Can you talk about why you decided to do that and why you prefer, or I don't know if you prefer Polygon, but if you do, why? Yeah, um, we did Polygon just because doing an ETH airdrop just didn't make sense or a claim didn't make sense. Because one, we didn't want the holders to have to pay any sort of gas fee in terms of claiming it. And also even the creation side of it, like our, our side of it, it was it was basically no cost. It was very it was like a costless airdrop and you get the same NFT that's just meant to be held in your wallet. So that's kind of the reason why we did it. It just made more sense as a company decision. Like if we were to do an ETH airdrop, I think it would have been I don't know, like fifty thousand dollars in just gas fees to drop that many NFTs, which would be insane. Um, so that's kind of the reason why we, we went with Polygon. I'm not too educated on Polygon Network, but I know that, you know, it's, it's a lot more economically friendly, um, for a lot of people. And it doesn't take much effort to even receive it. You just have to add, I don't think you even need to add the Polygon Network in your MetaMask or whatever wallet. It just shows up. But yeah, that's why we did Polygon. Faze, what would you tell anybody that's coming into this space to build? You know, don't build a profile picture project. Don't build a free mint project just to do it. I think if you are a first time NFT founder and you want to come in and make some sort of a change is find a gap in the market that's already there and see what way you can come in and improve it or create something completely new that you haven't even seen before. Because the last thing that the market needs is another copycat project another derivative project another just bullshit project that's going to drain the market of even more money i think if you're going to come in and you want to be successful you have to come in and you have to make something unique because it's no different than starting like a brand or selling like a winning product right it's the same mentality you come in and you can't just ride the wave you have to ride the wave and do something different in order to actually be successful most projects that even come out and do marketing don't even see the light of day because no one cares about their project. There's no, there's no like it factor to it. So you have to like think outside of the box and one, make something very cool in terms of the art. Uh, there's a lot of art styles that can be, you know, not really mimicked, but built off of uh, that are just, you know, they resonate with people. So if you do want to do a PFP project, you can, you know, maybe, if you're an artist, um, I don't think PFP projects are really even like, I don't think people really care too much about them right now, if I'm not mistaken. Like people, it had its, it had its shine for a little while, but it, it might come back at some point. But I don't think that that's what you should come in to build. You should come in to build something that's going to make a positive impact and change the way that people use NFTs. And utility, <laughs> utility. If you can find some way to make a real life utility. Then I love that. And the second question is, what would you tell anybody who's looking to buy an NFT for the first time? I think a lot of what a lot of people that buy into NFT projects, they like to find a way to resonate with, you know, either the team or with the art or with, you know, what the project actually stands for. So if, if I'm investing into a company, let's say I'm buying like a stock, Nine times out of 10, I'm buying the stock just because I want to buy it and make money off of it. But if I'm really passionate about the stock, I won't even look at it for years just because I believe in the company and I believe in the founders and I believe in what they stand for. And I think that that sort of mentality should stand in the same way for NFTs. You should buy into a project that you truly believe in and you truly like. But it's different if you're trying to invest for the long term versus short term. Short term, obviously, you want to ride, you know, whatever trend is happening, get on, you know, an exclusive mint whitelist, whatever it may be. There's two different kinds of buyers. There's, you know, the people that want the quick flip and there's people that really want to invest into a project. So in my opinion, 
buy something that you think is going to have value in the long term, just buy it and hold it. And, you know, if it goes to zero, then whatever, you follow your gut. But if it ends up going crazy, then you know that your intuition and your um, conviction was correct. So I think that that sort of mentality is going to last longer than, you know, getting your quick hit from the long term stuff uh, is going to work. I like that. Hit the nail on the head. That's a great answer. And invest into a invest into a good team. I mean, you don't want to invest into a project with a with a bunch of like bozos running it. You want you want someone that has integrity and someone that has a good uh, like past track record of success. Like doodles, like a doodles right now, I think would be a I mean a great buy just because they've got an all star team and they've got you know a great roadmap, but it's very expensive for most. There's a lot of entry points, though. Like, when you think of doodles, like, you don't have to go for the character right away. Buy the duplicator. You could buy the Genesis box. Like, so many different entries. Just to start gaining access into that community. Right. And they're making it more accessible, too. Uh, Before you even buy, you want to research. You want to look at their Twitter space. You want to look at their website. You want to join their Discord. You want to look at their Instagram. And you need to do that for at least a week every single day, checking on it, check the pulse, understand more about it every single day before you go ahead and buy. Sure, there are different price points and some of them can be enticing because it's a big name. But if you don't know what you're buying, don't buy it. Right. And don't fall for the extreme FOMO because nine times out of 10, it's just like, you're going to end up buying the top and you don't want to do that. You want to, you want to wait, you want to, you can't, you can never time the market, but you can time like a better entry for yourself. Yep. Okay, cool. So talking about obviously NFTs, let's reroute to what we're talking about. Parisa. Uh, I know you had some more questions for our friend here. Yeah, I saw you guys have a really robust roadmap. I'm wondering, what are you most excited about coming up? Um, I was looking at the free Donuts for Life offer. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, that is actually what I'm most excited about is building in real life because I have no experience building a you know physical real life location business. So this is like my first time doing it. So it's been a very interesting process so far of you know buying the food. So we're doing a food truck to start off. Um, and it's going to be in the Miami area. Um, and, you know, potentially we can ship it out to different NFT events and stuff like that. But that's that's for another day. Um, I think it's just really exciting to build in real life. I love I love the whole process of it. Right now we're doing the whole build out of the truck inside and doing the wrap and everything. So hopefully that that truck will actually be ready to go sometime in the next month. Um, they work fairly quickly. So uh, we're going to have a nice grand launch for holders if they want to fly out or if they're in the Miami area, come. Um, really, anybody is invited to come check it out and see what it's all about. But we're going to be serving these donuts fresh. Um, I don't know the timing yet of how many days uh, we're going to be up every single week. But um, right now, I think it's going to be Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. We're going to offer these donuts um, fresh on those days. And if you're a holder of the NFT, um, you can come in and show your NFT. We're going to have like a token gated thing with Campus Metaverse. Um, and basically, if you're a holder, you're able to get free donuts. Uh, there's not really going to be any. <laughs> no, nah, there has to be a little bit. No. There has to be. Donuts and- there's there's not, there's one like, I, I, have, I, I don't have a hard cap. Yeah, I think it's going to be one donut per visit, but the donuts are going to be so large that you're not going to want to come in and, and get like 10 of them. So I think we will limit it to one per person. Oh, I just got a really have... good idea for your truck. You should set it up outside of like live or something. And when people are yeah, coming yeah, out, yeah. It's literally like late night donut shop. That is definitely in the, in, the, in the plans for sure is to just take advantage of those drunk people and sell them all the donuts possible. Um, it's just going to be kind of tough finding someone to work those hours. I might be out on the truck <laughs> at 1 a.m. Um, but yeah, if you're a holder, you can come in and get... It'll be a headline from project founder to truck driver. <laughs> <laughs> I wear the uniform and everything. I have a chef hat on. Yeah, the main utility is just getting the free donuts and being a part of the community. And it's you know pretty... Uh, low barrier of entry right now on OpenSea. So if you want to buy a donut, feel free to go ahead and do so. 
but yeah, free donuts is the main thing. And I want to really build the actual brand itself. So we sell a lot of donuts, obviously on Uber eats in real life, and then hopefully expand uh, the food truck to different States and then eventually doing like one physical uh, staple location where we sell the product and you know, that's, that's how it is. But I, I think a lot of these NFT events and stuff, it's going to be a great way to get a lot of exposure for the project and, you know, obviously pe feed people donuts. Cause I mean, we saw it at NFT New York, there were literally like 30 food trucks. Um, and none of those projects were, were food related projects in the first place. So I think it's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be a lot of exposure that comes to the brand. So that's what I'm most excited for is building some sort of a real legacy. Um, and it's going to be fun to market it because I've never marketed food before. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. You know what just I'm, came I'm to my head when you said that? <laughs> okay, this this might be a little mind-boggling for people, right? Okay, think of Bored and Hungry, right? The food truck. It's not a business that was created by the project. It's a business that was created by the holders. So the majority of the businesses that I've seen in real life are holders building off of the NFT more so than the NFTs building for the holders in real life, at least, right? One of the biggest utilities we've seen so far is either having a cool PFP, social status, or making money. So I think while having those three as an opportunity for you or a reason for you to come into an NFT project, I think what you should also look for is NFTs that probably give you some type of IP or opportunity to build and use their community slash launchpad to do your own thing with that NFT because that's the whole goal of the technology, right? Is that you own it, nobody else, there's no duplicates and you can do whatever you want with it. And you put a value on your NFT. It's like, it's like franchising in a way. You're franchising the IP and franchising that brand. Exactly. Like Bored and Hungry did that. Um, there's the Ape Water. There's there's probably other yep. brands. I think Snoop Dogg is doing yeah, the uh, ice cream thing too, but he's doing that with the Bored and Hungry people. So I think that's a very, very, very interesting use case for sure is using the IP and building from it and making money off of it. Yeah. If you're a weed smoker, you should all go ahead and at Snoop Dogg and say, Snoop, we need you to drop some bored weed for people because <laughs> I can see that going viral. <laughs> But cool, I think this is a great episode. If you guys are still tuning in, make sure you guys go ahead, check out our newsletter. We send out daily information and entertaining topics for you guys to learn about and get a grasp of what's going on in the Web3 world. Uh, make sure you guys check out FaZe, check out Sweet Dreams, check out The Donut Shop. Uh, we'll link his socials below, and we'll see you guys next week.